Welcome to Wicked Grace, a Dragon Age podcast. I'm Cece, and I am joined by Caitlin today. Hello. This podcast is basically a chance to hang out with other folks and talk about Dragon Age because it just doesn't happen enough to me in my daily life, so I've decided to round up as many people individually as I can to get their opinions about stuff that happens in Thetis. And um, I couldn't have picked a better guest to start off with because Caitlin is a pro and the most knowledgeable about Dragon Age person that (laughs) I know. Well, thank you. Yeah, so today's episode is called... Divine Intervention. (laughs) So punny. And we are going to be talking about the divine election in Dragon Age Inquisition. Minor spoiler warning for the... If we talk about anything in the first two games, we'll keep it pretty minor. But all spoilers are off the table for Inquisition. If you haven't be Inquisition and you care about spoilers, you might want to sit this one out. And the Trespasser DLC, too. Yeah, and definitely the Trespasser DLC, Mm -hmm. which you should definitely play if you haven't, because it is fantastic. Absolutely. So yeah, so we're going to get started with our first kind of discussion point, which is... Who is your divine in your Inquisition playthrough? Your your the one that you consider your main canon playthrough. So I always consider my main canon playthrough to be my first one, even if it's not the one with the best results, just because I think those are the decisions I make the most truthfully to myself. So even if they're not what I really would have wanted, that's, I don't know, my first instinct. So my first, first divine ended up being Cassandra because I really like Cassandra and I wanted to make her happy, which is probably not the best way to run a country, but that's what I wanted Uh, was for Cassandra to be happy. And I thought she had the strongest leadership capabilities out of everybody. So that's who I chose. And I wasn't unhappy with the decision of Cassandra necessarily, but after knowing all the multiple outcomes, I don't think she would actually be my number one choice. Yeah, you make a good point about which playthrough is your canon playthrough, because Mm -hmm. I think in your first playthrough, everything is surprising. Everything is new. Mm -hmm. I only have two playthroughs because I think I spent no joke Over 200 hours of my second Inquisition playthrough. I saw every inch of that map, and I will (laughs) never do that to myself ever again. You don't want to play through the Hinterlands for another 47 million hours? I'm just the kind of idiot that would be like, yeah, I'd totally love to go through all that nonsense again. But, uh, not really. But, um, players like you are what make it so where players like me don't have to do that. So I had Liliana in my first playthrough and my second playthrough. So I played Inquisition before I played the other games. That's right. And I didn't know what the heck I was doing. So I was basically just like, what's what's a Templar? Yeah, (laughs) y'all are fine. Everybody, yeah, you guys seem okay. Mages, maybe you do need to chill. Then I felt really guilty. But I ended up making a lot of the same decisions, but at least I knew why. Mm -hmm. So I consider my second playthrough when I actually was invested in things that happened and I understood why I was making the decisions. I consider that my main one. Mm -hmm. And I ended up with an unhardened Liliana. That's hard to do. No pun intended. I mean, I really liked her in Origins. Mm -hmm. I wanted to give her that beautiful, beautiful... Christ love experience that I felt like she really wanted. Yeah, you want to protect her because she's so sweet and such a pure character and you don't want to see her have to make those kinds of horrible decisions that cause her to become hardened. Yeah, like when I played Inquisition the first time, I feel like it default hardens her. Oh, interesting. Um, Because I was just like, who's this mean lady? What's her deal? <laughs> yeah, I could see why if you've never played Origins and you automatically get a default Liliana, you'd be like, oh, okay. This is not a nice person. Yeah. The second time, though, I was just like, just 
What is really an assassination attempt when you think about it? It's just, just shake that off. I mean, you're you're fine. You, look at you. Nobody was really hurt except whoever else she killed. There were worse things happening in Thetis. Right. It's okay. Uh, I kind of regret it in hindsight. I left um, everybody unhardened, which I felt so bad about. But that's an episode for... Yeah, that's a good topic for a different day. I want to do an episode about just, like, the suffering of Alistair. Oh, God. <sighs> I could talk forever about Alistair. Um, well, then the next time, <laughs> if I if I do one about Alistair, we should, we should get together. Just They're just all such sweet babies, and you want to keep them that way, and they've gone through so much already. But, mm-hmm. no, it, personally, I think it's necessary for them to kind of have that upon them just to deal with the kind of things that you have to go through in Inquisition because it's not easy. Look, sometimes you can't just give people what they want. Sometimes you have to give them what they need, which is (laughs) teaching them how to become a murder pope. (laughs) I think murder pope might be the best description of Liliana you could possibly give. Yeah, I mean, well, not mine. Oh, well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So who do you think wants the job the most? That's a bit difficult, but I think... When you talk to both Cassandra and Liliana about it, they seem kind of taken aback by the idea, like, their first inclination is, oh, me, like, I don't see why that would ever be an option. But then when they start to really think about it, you know, they start to think about, you know, the fact that they would make a good divine. But for Vivienne, it's, she doesn't necessarily have that idea either, but it's like the second you say it, she's like, oh, yeah, like, I would be perfect at that. So I think the desires are not necessarily the same. I'm not sure how to say who's the strongest, but it does seem like Vivian has the strongest from the beginning that she has like the most commitment to it. And perhaps it's her position thus far has led her to it the most. Like she's just not there to make friends anyway. Exactly. Like she already sees herself as kind of the top person in kind of all fetus, honestly. So of everything. Yeah. So like once she gets over that blockage of like, oh no, I'm a mage. Like once she gets rid of that idea, she's like, actually, like hell yeah, like I would be the best divine, and I'm gonna start campaigning about it immediately. So I know you've done multiple Inquisition playthroughs. Have you ever done a Vivian playthrough? I started one. I Once I do my canon playthrough, which is usually, like, the most, like, nice, or if you've played Mass Effect, Paragon-type playthroughs, and then I try to go back and do another one that's, like, the opposite of that, just to see the differences it can make. And my goal with my next playthrough was to play uh, with a Vivian Divine, and I just I didn't get to make it that far into that playthrough. But, yeah, my canon one was, like, a... A lady elf, I believe. It was like when it first came out, so kind of a while ago. So then I wanted to play like a male dwarf, like just the total opposite end of the spectrum. Um, and Vivian was like my main goal because I think that might be even the hardest one to achieve. I guess you get whoever you support, right? I think no, no, actually, I looked this up okay. and it's really complicated okay. to get. Anybody, basically, if you make the wrong decisions. Like, again, spoiler warning if you care about this kind of thing, but depending on whether or not you help the mages or the Templars, depending on whether or not you conscript them or basically just let them, like, freeload in your castle, kind of some of the things you say about, I think, keeping the wardens or disbanding them and then, like, basically saying, F you guys you dumb wardens, I'll let you live, but I think you're really stupid. Or being like, everybody makes mistakes and gets brainwashed a lot. Um, it really it really uh, changes your outcome. 
I think you also bring up a good point about different ways of wanting the job. Because mm-hmm. I got the feeling, and maybe I'm just projecting, but I felt like Liliana was just like, who? Me? <laughs> huh, what an interesting idea. And I felt like Cassandra was more like, genuinely like, oh, you really think I could do this job? Wow, maybe I'll think about it. Yeah, they were both a little bit almost bashful about it. Like, they've been so ingrained in their roles, like, as, you know, seeker part of the Chantry, that, like, they can't even possibly imagine themselves the actual leader and not just a member of the team. Whereas Vivian is just like, hell yeah, I already run all this anyway. I felt like Liliana, it was just such a natural progression for her character Mm -hmm. from Origins that I was like, oh, naturally. Absolutely. Um, But my first playthrough, I really wanted to get Cassandra because I liked Cassandra the most. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was so disappointed that I couldn't romance her and then have just, like, this torrid, star-crossed lovers affair with, (laughs) like, the Pope. But... (laughs) Oh, God. That's another conversation, too. Just more cohesive Bioware romance options. That's all. (laughs) Yeah, like... I just wanna I just wanna romance a tough lady. Just a just a tough warrior woman. I just wanna throw my little elf into her arms and have her <laughs> carry her into the sunset. Is that all? Or just like carry Cassandra and you have this tiny elf <laughs> like carrying her like a like a Fabio in a romance cover. <laughs> oh. If only. What could it she would love that. She would love that. With her romance novel, like obsession. Especially like as like the Kunari, like, lady inquisitor. Ooh, yeah, that would be very picturesque for um, her. I just, I want this for you, I know. Cassandra. She deserves it more than anybody. She just deserves to be happy. So, yeah, so that's part of the reason I asked this question is because I don't know that Cassandra seemed excited to me. It seemed like a thing mm. where that felt like a duty, you know, that yeah. she would serve. That's a good point. Yeah, when you see Cassandra... Uh, in Trespasser, when she's all decked out in her divine Victoria the hat. stuff with the hat and the robes, like she doesn't really seem like that excited about it. Like she does her kind of signature, like ugh, every five seconds, <laughs> disgusted noise. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I mean, I know she's happy to serve because that's what she's always done. You know, she's a servant to the Chantry her whole life. But I think maybe she feels more like she could be more helpful out with a sword and armor than, you know, with the political BS. She just, I think Vivienne says something to the effect of, like, she lacks the charm and, and, and tact. Perhaps it's necessary for Divine, but I still think she'd be great at it, but I think she would not necessarily be as happy as Liliana or Vivienne, honestly. Yeah, I feel like Vivienne would get fulfillment from getting to do do a machination or two. Oh yeah. And Liliana just loves... Lady Fire Jesus. <laughs> but Cassandra seems like a person who would do the job well out of obligation. Exactly. Yeah, I I didn't want to put Cassandra on the throne um, in my in my second playthrough because I felt like it would just be so rough on her in the yeah. long run, her psyche. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, she could fight like 10 dragons in a year before she wants to sit and deal with the game, I oh think. Oh my god, yeah. yeah. 
that just is not for her. It really, I mean, it's not for everybody. Exactly. You know, I think her input is still very valuable. Having her be close to the divine, say, if Liliana is a divine and she can kind of call upon Cassandra for the things that she would be the most suited for, I think is much more fitting for her than to have to sit through the drudgery, I guess. Whereas Liliana or Vivian is, is more used to sitting in the, what is it called? Like room with all the people and the hearings and all of that. And I think when you think about it, like uh, why Cassandra didn't want to be the Inquisitor would be Mm -hmm. like, because I think she didn't want to be the focal point, the leader Mm -hmm. where she would have, if the, if the Inquisitor wouldn't have come along and she still couldn't have gotten a hold of Hawk or the warden, Mm -hmm. I feel like she would have done it if she needed to. Yeah. But I think she sees herself more as the weapon and not the person wielding it. That that is good. That is really good. <laughs> Getting into my dragon agey mindset. <laughs> yeah. So, which divine do you think would be best for Thetis? So, looking at the four different options, I I Wait, want four options. Oh well. Oh yeah. Unhardened, unhardened. Yeah, sorry, Cassandra or Vivian. I thought about you know in a perfect world what I would like. And that doesn't necessarily match what's best. So I would love for Thetis to thrive under an unhardened Liliana so that she can stay her sweet angel baby self from Origins. But after everything that happens in Inquisition, and honestly, the first two games, like I don't think that what she has to say could take root the same way unless she's hardened. So I think for Thetis, a hardened Liliana is what is needed. Because when you watch all the epilogues and you see the differences in all the divines, you do see that there are rebellions no matter who you choose. Like, that's just that's just politics, especially somewhere with so much turmoil. But Liliana has that kind of edge that Vivian has where, like, you know, this will not be tolerated. This will be put down. But she has it in a way that ends up where there is more welcoming and more inclusion of other races. Like, she still has the, you know including all the other races in the Chantry. Like, she still dissolves the circles, but she does it in a way that doesn't allow for, I guess, an uprising or for herself to be undercut. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think hardened Liliana would be the most likely to navigate all of the garbage you'd have to navigate but the most well-equipped to deal with problems yeah that's a good way of putting it like i i remember thinking that unhardened liliana is great but she doesn't necessarily have the tools to kind of deal with making those kinds of decisions exactly yeah or rather she won't use them yes see it like when you follow through like inquisition and um if you haven't read the companion comics that have just started coming out they are fantastic it's good to know. I just got Mage Killer, uh, the trade paperback. It's, it's beautiful. The art is phenomenal. Is it about Liliana or is it? It's actually about like two like side characters that, so all the comics that are coming out seem to be about the War Table missions. Oh, okay. That's um, good. Yeah. And so they're basically just like specialists who are able to kill mages that are not Templars mm-hmm. and um, they're dispatched to Tabinter. And then, um, what's her name? Uh, Charter. She works for Liliana. She's basically like the Nick Fury of <laughs> Inquisition. That's beautiful. Where she just turns up and she's just like, how would you like to work for the Inquisition? And people mm-hmm. are like, oh, I don't know. And she's just like, well, it seems like you really only have this one option. Oh, wow. I'll go tell Nightingale. And then you're just like, damn. But basically my point is just like, Liliana seems so tough in those comics, but if you're Liliana is an 
unhardened Liliana, it's hard to imagine that she's going to really do anything. Yeah. Other than just, like, I'll pray for you. Thinking through this, it really made me think about the same kind of arc that Liara takes. Yeah, from that's really interesting. To becoming the shadow broker and, like, getting hardened, kind of. Like, you, you don't really have a choice with Liara as you do with Liliana, but, like... I thought that was interesting. They both kind of go from, like, this bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, like, I'm going to make the world better to, like, kick ass in a way that they didn't think they could. I think with Liliana, it feels less weird because she had her evil girlfriend. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then suddenly she falls into religion after a bad breakup, which, like, you know, I mean, I've been there for a a hot minute, but (laughs) it didn't take. Like, I didn't become the Pope. (laughs) But... Right. Just, that's another think piece for another day. I mean, I, I think unhardened Liliana, I want her to succeed, but it does seem like she's kind of pushing the Chantry really far really quickly. At the same yes. time, living in the hellscape of 2017, I I now see the, the value much more clear, even though I saw it mm-hmm. clearly, but I see much more clearly that sometimes you just need to push the most progressive agenda that you possibly can. <laughs> Yeah, like, I just, I don't see it being very realistic for her to just be able to take the throne, dissolve the circles, no longer have Templars, allow other races, like, putting a canary in the Chantry, like, after everything that's happened, I just, there's just no way. Like, just, like, the Dwarven Chantry from Origins, like, how'd that work out? Exactly. Not great. Like, people are already shocked, like, there's still a ton of people who don't side with the Inquisition. There's just... Although I think she's right. I think if she can do it, she should. Oh, for sure. But it would just take, it would take the kind of person who can put those things down and like, I think. And by that murder. Right. (laughs) Well, I think it's in the epilogue where you have a hardened Liliana where it says like, it is even said that uh, the divine squashed these rebellions from the inside. Like having the tools to do that kind of thing would really save her some face down the road. Like when she is trying to, you know, dissolve the circles and, and open up the chantry some more. Like you can have all these open and welcoming progressive ideas, I guess. You just have to be ready to murder people. I mean, it's Thetis, okay? It's not like you've got the best kinds of people everywhere. Like... They're used to the kind of lawless wasteland, almost, and being oppressed by religions and just living in squalor all the time. Like, this is terrible. Yeah, like, as much as I love this universe, like, it's probably one of the last I would ever want to live in. Yeah, I would never want to go on, I would never want to go on vacation. To, I'd rather go on vacation to, like, the extra Reaper Mass Effect 3. Because oh <laughs> I know with my luck, I would end up being like a little lech living in Lowtown or something. Like, just, no. Yeah. It, I, it needs someone like a hardened Liliana to kind of get them on the right track to be able to more unite these different areas. Because when you think about like Tevinter, Orlay, you know, the rest of Thetis, they're so different. It's like, how could you possibly think about bringing in other people and uniting it when you already have so much going on already underneath your own home. Yeah, so I I think that when you get the unhardened Liliana, it kind of seems like a lot of the rebellion seem worse. It seems like hardened Liliana is able to mop up those messes much more quickly. Yeah, and even thinking past, you know, the canon and what you do get to hear in the epilogues, like, you have to think a little bit more long-term. So, you know, just because it kind of ends on a good note with unhardened Liliana doesn't mean that more things aren't going to come up. So having that kind of from the get-go with a hardened Liliana, of course she'll probably have her own problems, but it just seems like she's 
on a much more even footing going mm-hmm. forward. Mm-hmm. I think the worst outcome seems to be divine Victoria Cassandra. Really? It seems like she just starts shit with so many people, and it just seems like her dissolution of... No, she doesn't dissolve the circles. I guess she keeps them around, mm-hmm. but she still... Does she still start the College of Enchanters? Is that just her thing, no matter where she is? I think that might happen regardless. Um, I'd have to fact check that, but... Um, Yeah, I think it might be something she does begrudgingly. I think that people are more upset about having a mage on the Sunburst throne than they are about Liliana being just like, let's burn it all down. You bring up an interesting point about Cassandra, though, because she... Oh, sorry, I meant to say Vivienne this whole time. Okay, I was like, okay. (laughs) Yeah, it seems like Cassandra seems to be the middle ground, and Vivienne seems to be just like the, I'm... I'm just tearing it up. Yeah, it's like you've got the two extremes. If you wanted to throw it into, like, real-world politics, which I wouldn't want to even have that whole conversation, but it's almost like Liliana's, like, a hard left, Vivian's, like, a hard right, and then Cassandra's, like, a neutral party, you know? Like, that's how I felt about it. And I agree. I think Victoria Vivian is probably, like, the worst outcome, depending on your political views. <laughs> I mean, it just seems like everything, it just seems like that meme, um, do you, do you watch Community? Mm, with the pizza? The pizza, yeah. <laughs> Watching that epilogue, because I couldn't bring myself to do that kind of a playthrough. Because oh, no. I actually really like Vivienne. Oh, for sure. But I feel like she's like a very specialized dagger that's only good for like stabbing people in the neck. Yes. Like, you don't want to butter your toast with it. <laughs> that's that's such a great thing to say about her yeah like i hear people talk all the time especially when the first game first came out we were all like oh my god like vivian's so cool she's so awesome she's this hbic basically like she's amazing but then as you get kind of near the end of the game you're kind of like i think she might actually go a little bit too far at least in my opinion it's just like oh do you want to feed these orphans liliana approves cassandra slightly approves iron bull slightly disapproves vivian greatly disapproves And, like, I get that, like, she has her reasonings for not telling you about why you need to go get a wyvern heart and all this stuff. But, like, I don't know. It just, it seems like she's really only fueled by her own desires. And she says that she's for the greater good of, of Thetis and Orle, but something about her just, her actions don't necessarily show that. And then after playing the first two games, especially, because the first playthrough, I was like, cool, like, hot Maleficent, like, whatever you say sounds (laughs) good to me. And the second time when she's just like, oh, I don't know why all of these little whiny babies are so mad about the circles after Mm -hmm. playing Dragon Age 2, I'm just like, oh my god, exactly. Circles are sometimes a complete horrifying human rights nightmare. Maybe in Orlea they're fine, but... After playing Dragon Age 2, it's like, no, no, no. I remember playing the first, uh, my first playthrough of Inquisition, and when you get, you recruit Vivian and you go back uh, and talk to her, I, I always try to get people to like me, like as the Inquisitor, but I always, I assume by picking, like, the, the nicest option, they're always going to agree with me, but hers was just like, disapprove, disapprove, disapprove. I was like, maybe you're not the kind of person I want on my team. You just have to be like, Vivian, I feel you. Sometimes it is best to feed puppies to alligators or wyverns or whatever. Sometimes you just get a cute puppy, you just stick it in a monster's mouth, and that's what you need to do. And she's like, 
I greatly approve. Yeah, I definitely bent some of what I really <laughs> thought talking to her sometimes just because with Bioware games, you never know like, oh, well, because I didn't agree with this person about feeding puppies to monsters, now they're going to go jump off a cliff or something. Like, oh my God. Uh, yeah. Sorry. No, it's true. <laughs> Bad example, but you know what I mean. Like, Sometimes you have to kind of, in order to get everybody on your side at the end, you kind of have to. Too soon. It was too soon. It's always too soon. It's always too soon. It could be 3012. <laughs> like, 100 years later, it'd be too soon. No, just kidding. But really. But, yeah. But, yeah, like, it just, it doesn't seem like she really is purporting what's best for everybody because she she's not sheltered. Like, she's had a, a crazy life. She's experienced a lot. But she's still lived in an Orlesian circle, like, with the best of the best her whole life. She doesn't know what it's like to go live in Lothering or, you know, Or to, like, anywhere fear else. getting, uh, like, made tranquil if you do anything. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, just thinking about the way the mages are treated in Dragon Age 2, like, there's just no way I could possibly want a world run by Vivian. But I can see the flip side, too, a little bit because, you know... <laughs> Dragon Age has a bad habit of making you feel empathy for mages, but then they always, almost nine times out of ten, end up being demons. Or they're just, like, super cool, super cool, hanging out, having a great time, and at the, like, act three of the game, they're just like, oh, yeah, I I just decided to take up blood magic and also gluten. And you're just like, wait, roll that back to the first thing. Right, like... Every mage I feel empathy for. I I'm, I love, you know, Meryl, you know, perfect little mage baby. But then, like, almost always they end up betraying you in some way. And, like, you can always almost, almost always see where they're coming from and why they have to resort to, that, to these kind of mechanisms. But, like, it's like, I trusted you, you know? Like, it makes it really hard. So I definitely see why Vivian could see that without having experienced some of the other things in Thetis. Yeah, I think it's it's hard because none of the options will make everything okay. Oh, because yeah. Because it's just, like, Thetis is so complicated. There's so many different factions and needs and different kinds of human rights violations. Absolutely, and, you know, every different faction has their own values and own cultures, and you're never going to find a solution that acquiesces to every single person like what makes the elves happy is definitely not going to be perfect for a dwarf or a canary like that's just not possible i think you have to do your best to find who can make it the least oppressive so that brings me to my last question uh, which is how differently do you think each candidate would fill the office in the long term like basically like 10, 15 years out, like, mm-hmm. where do you think Thetis is going to be with these different candidates? Which one do you think would lead to a stronger Thetis in the long term? And which one do you think would lead to the weakest possible? Mm-hmm. Just a blank invitation, blank check for the Canari to write all over. Just a burning trash fire. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting question because it makes you think outside of the canon and kind of start filling in your own blanks, which is kind of fun to think about. So I think, you know, let's say 20 years down the road, Divine Victoria Vivian would probably lend itself to a more oppressive state for the already oppressed. So elves and uh, mages, I feel, would definitely still be either where they are already or pushed even further down the totem pole, unfortunately. 
which I'm not sure how much more of that they can take. I mean, there will probably be rebellions and uprisings from both, and I don't think any of them would be successful, unfortunately, but I do think she would have... Like, unfortunately, no one would be able to depose <laughs> Vivian. Aw, oh, see, like, you can tell how much I don't want her to be the divine just from talking about it like this. Um, I mean, yeah, she's got the political skills and, you know, the knowledge of the game and getting people to agree with her and having powerful parties on her side. And as the Inquisitor, you are her ally, so that could be good for you and the Inquisition. But at one point, is it going to stop being your Inquisition and your team and start becoming just another tool for her. Vivienne's Inquisition. Yeah, like, I would... Exactly. I would never keep the Inquisition around with a a Vivienne Divine. Never, 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 never. Especially thinking about the end of Trespasser and thinking about, you know, what might be coming. Oh, you can just get into it. We warned them. So you have to think, you know, in kind of the near future, actually, like, what is that going to mean? Like, as the Inquisitor, you're still going to be fighting, I assume, in the next game, you're still going to be fighting the Dread Wolf and, you know, having to make that decision of taking down the Veil or not and how you handle that particular situation. So, Well, are you going to be able to make that decision? Oh, or are you just going to be just, just launched into this awful hellscape? I suppose that's for the writers to decide, but... Patrick Weeks, uh, at us. Yeah, right? (laughs) Come on now. (laughs) Oh, God, I can't wait. But, yeah, you have to start thinking about, like, do I want mages to be completely oppressed, or am I going to want their help? Like, you know, after the Inquisition, if they're still held down, like, why would you possibly be inclined to start to think about helping an Inquisition that promised you one thing, especially if you conscripted the mages, you know, and then have a divine that keeps you this way? Yeah, because, like, let's talk about the threats that are facing Thetis, right? Mm-hmm. Like, as soon as the next game starts, we're going to be in, like, at the very best case scenario, a countdown to a Canari invasion, Solus's weird endgame machinations that will probably need to be its own episode of this podcast where I ask somebody to please explain in great detail, like the (laughs) long-term ramifications of all of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you've got Tevinter just Tevintering over there. (laughs) Tevinting. And who knows about the blight? Like, watch all this other stuff happen, and then suddenly a blight breaks out just (laughs) because. blight. (laughs) And then, like, you don't even have Flemeth to save your butt anymore. I hope not. I mean, I hope hope Flemeth just is just like... (laughs) I bet you thought you'd seen the last of me. (laughs) (laughs) That's always Flemeth. Flemeth is forever just surprised. I was 100% my second playthrough. Like, I jumped into that well. Like, yes, I would love you to be in my head and tell me how to live. (laughs) Please. (laughs) Can I live? I'm waiting for you to tell me. (laughs) Like, push Morgan out of the way and jump in. See, I... I did an Elven playthrough as my second one where I was like, just oh me too, a trash like slave to Solus. So I was just like, no, like I'm not going near the well. Make Morgan do it. But now I kind of regret that. My first playthrough, I had Morgan do it because I didn't know who she was, and I was like, yeah, fine, me. you want it so bad, good luck. <laughs> so my second playthrough, I felt bad for her because now that I knew her and was like, she was just like to my mm-hmm. warden, like I consider you like a sister, and I was oh, just like. Yeah. Oh. You're my mean friend that doesn't like girls. (laughs) Oh, oh, another one where I'm just like, how can I not romance you as a girl? I love you. All of these girls, 
at least by. Especially in Thetas. Like, you see the men walking around. Like, I'm sorry. It's like the worst version of being in college where every girl is dressed up all the time and every dude is wearing, like, pants they Febreze six times. <laughs> like, but worse because there isn't even Febreze. <laughs> They just rubbed, like, berries on themselves and called it a day. Like, I've heard Alistair talk about his socks to win. Like, come on, yeah. That was out of line. She's not actually your grandma. He's just a dumb jock. I I like him, but he's a dumb baby. Yeah, when you put, like, the male romances over here and the female romances over here, or just even teammates, you're like, come on. Like, come on. Except Iron Bull. Iron Bull is a precious, beautiful light. A light. (laughs) And Fenris. And I know I'm unpopular, but I'll fight people. (laughs) See, like, it's super funny because my very first time playing 2, I met Anders first. And I was like, oh, okay. I'm for it. You kind of remind me of Alistair. I'm for it. And then, like, I did, like, one romanticable option. And then right after that, I met Fenris. And I was like, JK, bye. (laughs) He seems like a tortured werewolf, but it's not a wolf. It's just, like, a mean ghost. I flirted with everybody so much, but I really wanted to get with Isabella. But... I was, yes. like, using Fenris as my safety. Uh, because, like, that's right, you didn't decide until, like, the very last second, right? I was so torn, but I ended up staying true to Fenris mm-hmm. and waiting for him, even though I didn't want to. But, like, he was, he's so funny. Everybody he thinks is. he's just, like, a moody sad boy, him but he's Varric so funny. so funny. Like, I'm the first to admit, like, I'm a complete sucker for just, like, emo crybaby sad boys so like Fenris was just like a hundred percent up my alley like I'm completely there for emos so (laughs) well I want to get back on topic okay so talking about like the the threats basically that Mm -hmm. are going to consume Thetis like Mm -hmm. a plague of locusts who do you think is the strongest divine to stand up to those things that's a good way of thinking about it because having mentioned like the flaws in Vivian, or, uh, yeah, Vivian, I think the strongest person to stand up to that, just judging off of their experience, would be a hardened Liliana, because having been Nightingale and having had to deal with the threats to the Inquisition, like, that's basically practicing, like, on, like, a baby country, like, raising that up from, you know, the tiny little four-person you know, squad up into Skyhold being supported by armies. Like, that's a great starting point to get, I guess you could call it real-life practice in leading a country. Or It's weird to think about being the spymaster for the Inquisition being like an unpaid internship. <laughs> it's true, though. I mean, she, she gets, I wouldn't say necessarily start in the political landscape, but her most prominent place. It's her entry-level job. Yeah, it is. It's her internship. The internship was, like, working for Justinia. Mm, Now she's, like, doing data entry. She's, like, the admin. (laughs) Now she gets to run reports. Now she's a project manager. Yeah. And then, you know, someday she'll be director. (laughs) So basically just, like, the god queen of Thetis. Yes. And Cassandra, like, again, like we mentioned, like, she's... She's got practice being a leader, but with the threats coming up, like, she's still so wary about magic, and she doesn't necessarily seem to want to rock the boat one way or the other as much as the other two do, that I think her, especially if you have Colin there as well, like, those two, I think, are such militaristic powerhouses that I think they would be vital to keeping things in order, but having them lead everything... It doesn't lend itself to the most cooperation and the imminent threats of the Dreadwolf. I think 
for the Canari invasion, Cassandra would be a really... I think she would be like, yes, finally, something I know I can totally just crush. I can crush it. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to, like, mystical magic nonsense, Mm -hmm. I can imagine Cassandra being like, okay, this is where I get off. This is not my thing. Mm. Uh, I'm going to do my best, but we're all going to die. Just to let you know. Yeah, like, I feel like she would really end up leaning on somebody like Liliana, you Mm -hmm. know, to get her through that. And I would be nervous that maybe she would be too hard uh, influenced by maybe more unsavory, probably Orlesian kind of people. You know, I think she would be too unsure of herself um, just by what we know of her that she wouldn't be able to put her foot down and squash things out. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's a tough lady, but she's a softy. Oh, absolutely. She's easy to push around. Yeah, especially when it comes to politics. Like, I just don't think she has, you know, the wherewithal to deal with that kind of stuff in the way that Liliana would. And I think unhardened Liliana, as much as I love her and I st- semi-stand by my decision to leave her in charge, mm-hmm. um... She and Vivienne, I think, are at the most at risk at getting deposed before it hits the fan. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's not to say that an unhardened Liliana couldn't become hardened by being the divine, you know? Like, she's obviously got the capabilities to get to that point. And that's sad when you think yeah. about it, right? Like, no matter how much you try to help her preserve her faith and her innocence, mm-hmm. just she's just constantly in positions that don't let her have the luxury of the purity of belief that oh, yeah. she would like to have. Absolutely. And that's a good point too. Like it's easy to talk about her politics, but you have to remember like that's it's rooted in her faith. So I think by hardening her early on, you get to show her that she can maintain her faith while still making these kind of unsavory decisions. Um, so I think as like you mentioned earlier, you know, like sometimes you have to do what's right, not necessarily just give people what they want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think she would be the best at, like you kind of mentioned, like thinking outside of the box, Mm -hmm. like finding creative Mm -hmm. murder solutions Mm -hmm. to (laughs) problems, knowing what's happening before it happens. Um, Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think I would trust, you've kind of brought me around, because when I started, I was just like, unhardened Liliana is going to be fine. She'll figure it out. She's very much like the, the little comic of the puppy dog in like the burning building oh, yeah. this is fine <laughs> yeah whereas hard and liliana is the fire exactly and solace is the dog he exactly. just doesn't know it yet yeah like i could see her i think hard and liliana might be the only person like including the inquisitor that could possibly like really get one by on solace mm-hmm. in the upcoming future and it's funny, I was trying to think of pros to Vivienne, because I, I like to have a, a rounded opinion about it, and my only real pro with Vivienne was that she does have the experience and the network of people, I guess, that she has to influence, like, she has dirt on people, it's kind of how she got to where she is, and she has that network, but then I started thinking about Liliana, and, like, she has people that, like, like, her spy network is so insanely large, like... Like, she has dirt, too. Exactly, like, she could do that even in a harder way. Like, she's probably the only person that could depose Vivienne, even. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think... Uh, I think that our our ultimate conclusion mm-hmm. is that a hardened Liliana is probably the best choice for everyone. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the least bad choice for everyone, including Liliana. 
Right. And like, I know it's easy to say like, oh, bleeding heart mage lovers, of course, you're going to choose Liliana. But like, it just... I mean, I am a bleeding heart mage lover. I am. No matter how many times I get betrayed by blood magic. (laughs) No matter how many times I I get my heart ripped out of my, like my still beating heart ripped (laughs) out of my body, thrown on the ground and stepped on. Yeah. No matter how many elves, you know, end up holding a blade to my inquisitor's throat along the road. Like, I'm still going to want to push for... For elven equality, too. Like, it's just, it makes a better, more rounded Thetis. Thetis is a real rough place to live, man. <laughs> it is. It's not just horrible, it's futile and horrible at the same time. It is. And, you know, being the person that makes these decisions, like, obviously, we have absolutely no idea what's coming in that universe. So, for all we know, like, Liliana might end up being the worst possible choice. But, you know, with the information that we're given and the conclusions we can draw from, what we're left with at the end of the epilogue and then of Trespasser, I think you have to think about who has the best tools. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. Mm -hmm. And Vivian basically would probably end up getting killed by her tools by someone else. Mm -hmm. The way that people always, like, set, like, a witch's house on fire or something. Oh, yeah. Everybody knows she's very shady. She'd get caught up, for sure. Yeah. I like Vivian, but she is... She doesn't seem too Andrastian a lot of the time. Yeah, right? Like, uh, why do you even want this job? I know why, but it's not for good reason. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like, yeah, it's kind of like a a president, but it's also, it's a religious role. You know what? I would, I would be more likely to want Vivienne in a purely political role. Absolutely. Than a religious political role. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like she's not a great guardian of the faith, but she could probably do some House of Cards stuff. Oh, yeah. Well. That's a good way to put that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so those are our divines. None of them are divine, the performer, but, you know, we, we take what we can get in Thetis. Exactly. In every way. <laughs> it's true. Any final thoughts about these divines or how you think it's going to shake out in the next game? I hope it's not like whoever is divine gets killed again. <laughs> oh my god, I know. I hope that I hope that there's some kind of load up questions about it. But I think obviously all three of these are, you know, invaluable people to have on your team on the Inquisition. So I think that as long as you end with good standing with all three of them, it sets you in a good place for the next game. But at the end of the day, you know, Liliana is just where it's at. Yeah, and I feel like Liliana, whether or not you disband or keep the Inquisition going, you'll probably be in better shape, I think. Definitely. I think it it, it would be more of a make-or-break decision for the other two. Absolutely. It, it, it would leave you with more as a sense of unease of the future. And also, if you got Vivienne on accident, look at your life. Look at your choices. Look at the things you value as an Inquisitor and a person. Look in the mirror. (laughs) And think about what you've done. (laughs) Unless you're just like, "I, I I love the aesthetic and I think that's enough. Then, you know, I can see. I can see why you did that. Yeah, definitely. Orlesian fashion is definitely a fair point. So... Because this is the first episode, this is the first time that I'm going to be doing this, but I'm going to end on one more question, which is, um, what are you most hoping to see in Dragon Age 4? 
And if this podcast continues past Dragon Age 4, then we're going to change this question to what would you most like to see in Dragon Age 5? So, <laughs> And then 6 and 7 and 8. <laughs> Just kidding. That's a great question. Um, I think the thing I'm most looking forward to or that I'm the most hopeful for is the same thing I'm always most hopeful for in Bioware games, which is more romantic options and better romantic options and a more cohesive and inclusive uh, team dynamics, I think, because that's the thing that draws me into any Bioware game. Um, you know, Dragon Age has some of the best team members I've ever played with. So that's the most important thing to me. So what I always reserve my hope for is that I'll feel the same way about them as I have about everybody else so far. Yeah, that is a, a beautiful thought <laughs> and a beautiful hope. I'm also hoping for the same things. Well, thank you so much for coming on our uh, inaugural episode. If you like this episode, please subscribe, leave comments. This is obligatory. I have to say <laughs> this or uh, the podcast um, Illuminati will murder me. So please do that. Thank you so much for having me. It's yeah, anytime. wicked fun. Oh, that was, that was great. That was a great way to cap things out. So, yeah, um, if is there anywhere that you would like people to follow you? or My online ple- presence is minimal. <laughs> I wish I was cooler than that. <laughs> you can find Caitlin wherever two people are talking about Dragon Age. You're going to have to come back here. Yeah, yeah, and um, we're going to eventually get around to talking about the long-suffering life of Alistair, and I will bring you back on for that one if you're down. I'm super down. (laughs) Okay, cool. Well, thanks again, and uh, we will see you guys next time on Wicked Grace.